Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin A.C. Potter's beat writer and Jay Posner, Sports Area Union Tribune. I think it's clear to all why we would be doing a podcast to post on Monday rather than the start of a series, which is our regular way we do things. Andy Green fired on Saturday morning. I think that uh, by the time we got to the end of last week, that was a foregone conclusion, Jay. Um, certainly, in hindsight, Andy Green is uh, being, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't say thrown under the bus by any means, but talked about as a guy that, you know, maybe wasn't entirely on board with the uh, process and, and in terms of his communication up and communication down. Uh, but I want to, you know, before we get into all that and, and the good and the bad of, of Andy Green, I, I want to say that I really think when it comes down to it, all the people that I've talked to, the going, the people talking in circles, the revisionist history, the, the spot-on stuff, a change was made because a change needed to be made. That's the bottom line. That's really what it seemed like. Uh, I mean, this the stuff you mentioned about communication and process and all that. I mean, if, if that was really a big issue, did it did it need to take four years to come to to come into pass here? So I'm not sure. But from from someone that's basically on the outside, uh, as I consider myself to be other than, you know, talking to you. But I think the idea that and we talked about this a little bit last week, sometimes a change needs to be made just because a change needs to be made. And it seems like that was the case here, I, I still, you know, I know there's people who I, I've seen stuff on on social media that, you know, Andy Green was overmatched and yada, yada, yada. I don't see any evidence of that. I, I think Andy Green's players have been overmatched for most of the last four years. You know, all the moves Andy Green made were not good ones, but come on, all the moves he made weren't bad ones either. Most of the time, and we've talked about this endlessly on here, and you've heard me talk about it for years, you know, especially in baseball, I feel players are the ones that win and lose games more than anything else. The manager might make a difference in a handful of games each year. The Padres are not within a handful of games of being a playoff team, have not been at any point during his tenure. And, you know, this team was not whatever the record was, 200 and something and 300 and something over the last four years because Andy Green was overmatched or because he was a terrible manager. They're that record because that's the players they have, and that's the record they deserved. And some of it, I guess, was probably intentional after a while. Uh, maybe this year wasn't quite so much, but that's sort of my initial read on the situation. You say that uh, he made some good moves, he made some bad moves, and, and I think that you were referring to, to in-game. Correct. I want to make it clear that, like, regardless of whether Andy Green needed to go or, or whatever, I would say, and I've given this some thought, 80%, possibly more, probably more, of the things I have seen him blamed for were not Andy Green. That's the part that makes me laugh and makes me a little sad, to be honest with no, you. No, I, I, uh, I agree, and, I, and I'm sure that the first <laughs> one that you're going to mention is the lineups. Andy, Andy Green did not come to work every day and sit down and decide on the Padres lineup without any input whatsoever. So you're closer to that than I am. What, what, how were the, what was with the lineups and what, and what else would you say? I'm assuming pitching and, and yeah. had a lot to do with it as well. Well, I would say this, and I don't know who this person is. I want, I want to just like one of the most egregious things. And I'm, I'm almost thinking it was so egregious that, that it was a joke, but I, I went through the timeline. I couldn't really see that it was a joke, but 
But someone with a blue check mark, media member, uh, had a fair amount of followers. Um, this person, I hadn't heard of them before, but said basically Andy Green had to go after he decided that giving Will Myers $83 million and Eric Hosmer $144 million was a good idea. I, I, I was blown away by that. And the reason I bring that up, because what does this guy have to do with anything, except I honestly believe that from that decision on down to to start, uh, you know, Ty France at second base uh, or not call up Louis Urias or call up Louis Urias or whatever was Andy Green's doing by many people, and, and it quite simply wasn't. And I, I beat that home day to say that, I mean, I actually can't believe that that's what people think, but, but it truly is. Um, a manager is a glorified, like a combination chief of staff, think White House, uh-huh. Chief of Staff Press Secretary. Yeah, no, I he's think that's... Pro- that's... the message publicly. Right, He right. has input, but he's not the president. <laughs> that's what the, the manager is. So, lineups, call-ups, bullpen usage, soldiers, uh, how far they're going to go a lot of times. That's Andy Green, the a Padres manager, from my understanding. Now, I understand what the Padres manager does. When I say my understanding, I say in comparison to other clubs. Um, in comparison to a lot of other clubs, Andy Green had more in-game on, uh, autonomy. You could say he had full autonomy, um, except for the players that he was given, you know, say, and Andres Munoz, who, you know, uh, actually was probably more prepared than many, but, you know, who had never come in in the middle of a game. I was 20 years old and never come in the middle of a game in the minors. Gerardo uh, uh, Reyes and, and uh, the limitations that he had. How about uh, Javi Guerra, who'd never pitched two days in a row, uh, had never pitched two innings in the minors, and suddenly doing that in the majors. Or, oh my gosh, we can't have him do that in the majors. You know, killing Craig Stammen. Uh The fact that he basically, uh, what, Craig Stammen yesterday pitched his 75th game. The fact that he basically threw Craig Stammen's arm off, and Craig Stammen considers Andy Green one of his best friends, I think should tell you that Craig Stammen has a great understanding of uh, who it was that was having him pitch so much. Right. And it wasn't Andy Green. Right. So, so. That's all. hey, that, none of that was to say, you know, that the Padres didn't need to make a change to go in another direction. Because the fact is, even if you're going to be a player who uh, says, you know, this guy isn't doing it for me, or heck, your agent Preller and says, you know, the communication isn't working here. Even if... A.J. Preller is the one 100% at fault, or the player is a selfish young man, or whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Those are the, you know, that's who Andy Green works for and, and, is, and is charged with working with. And so if it wasn't working, it wasn't working. I do have doubts as to how much it actually wasn't working and how much you know, there was uh, a want to, to move on. That said, I had written about it before that Andy had been charged with uh, in improving his communication. Andy Green had acknowledged that these are things that he had worked on. Uh, there was an acknowledgement by everyone, the people above and the people below him, that he'd improved on it. The decision was made that it hadn't been enough and they wanted to go in another direction. Um, that is uh, their prerogative. May well, I don't know what you think, Jay, may well have been the right decision. I simply wanted to be on record saying that so many things that this man, and I would say probably managers everywhere, are blamed for is not them or not them solely. Right, blamed and cre- and, and probably credited <laughs> and for as, as as well. And you know, yes. I I think you know one thing that struck me that that AJ Preller said over the weekend was something about we need to get someone in here who can get the players to overachieve. I don't think that's a good organizational strategy. 
that you're looking for people to overachieve. You should be looking for players that are good players that can play to their potential. The idea that you're counting on all these guys to overachieve, I don't think is very realistic. And I also wonder, and this is something we can get into, you know, at some point as we as we get closer to a new manager. And, you know, again, this goes back to just a philosophy I have. How much does a manager make a difference? You know, Eric Hosmer has come here and the last two years, his numbers have not been as good as they were for at least part of his time in Kansas City. His defense this year especially has not been good at all, in my opinion. He's, he makes some good plays at times, but he's had moments where you're like, man, what is he doing? Is it on Andy Green or Skip Schumacher or whoever's in the dugout that Eric Cosmer's 29 years old, I believe. I think this is his ninth major league season. How much mm-hmm. managing does he need? You know, does he need to be told when to run off second base, you know, on a on a grounder to shortstop? Does he need to be told what base to throw to? I, I just think that there's so much, it's so easy to blame the manager, just like it's easy to blame, a, you know, a coach in, in another sport. But especially in baseball, there's a game every day. It's got to be somebody's fault. You know, is it Andy Green's fault that Will Myers goes through these weird slumps that he's gone through and, and just looks completely lost at time? I don't know. To me, that's Will. That's on Will Myers. You know, I, I don't count on I don't count on my boss to like motivate me every day to say you need to do a good job today. And if you don't, and if you don't motivate me the right way, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do something stupid. I'm not sure why baseball is you know why baseball is any is any different. So it it just seems like to me this is much more on the players themselves. If the front office believes it has the right. Uh, has the players, you know, sort of the talent, then it's on the front office uh, for not having the right, I didn't say that quite right, but it's either on the front office for not having the right players or it's on the players for not performing as well as the front office thinks they are. And what if we went, here's the other thing, this is the big leagues. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so what and it's if not just we went, Eric Cosmer, by the way, that, or Will right. Myers. That's just examples that I, you know, that I picked out. I mean, nobody told Craig Stammen to give up three straight, four straight home runs you know, in a in a ball game. Jay, when it was one third front office, one third players performance, one third Andy Green. Guess who is the guy who gets the axe every single oh, time? Of course. And I think one third so for that's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think one third for the manager is too high anyway. And that's for oh, any absolutely. and that's for any manager. I don't <laughs> care if it's if it's Terry Francona. I mean look at single. look at Joe look at Joe Madden in Chicago right now. I mean they just lost four straight one run games to the Cardinals. I happened to turn the game on Saturday. They had a one-run lead going to the ninth inning. He brought in Craig Kimbrell, who the front office signed to an expensive deal in the middle of this season to be their closer, that he was going to be a difference maker. So Joe Madden, here he goes. He brings in Craig Kimbrell, the guy who's supposed to make the difference. Kimbrell throws two pitches, and they both get hit about 500 miles uh, into the bleachers in left field, and the Cubs lose a critical game and people are talking like well you know Joe Madden he's got to go and and not just based on that game but just kind of based on this this season Joe Madden just won a world series 3 years ago so all of a sudden you know he's he's a terrible manager people here are, are we hear a lot of talk about Dave Roberts I don't know if Dave Roberts is a good manager all I know is he goes to the Dodgers and the Dodgers have a lot of really good players and they play really well I'm sure Dave does a great job in the clubhouse I'm sure he does a great job with the media and like you said that's most of the battle, I think, for the manager right there. Well, especially on some teams, and the Dodgers would be a team that do things a certain way. You would not see much, much 
if any, this is from people that I understand, you know, they know about the situation with the Dodgers. And heck, if you watch the Dodgers, and I watch them 19 times a year, right? Um, so uh, if I don't care who, if you were the manager, Jay, there wouldn't be many different moves made in game right. than when right. Dave Roberts is the manager. That's the way the Dodgers are run. And heck, they just won their seventh straight NL title and could well be going to their third World Series, third straight World Series. So that's that. I also guarantee you that if a manager came here and started to get a lot of credit, you'd start to see a lot of eye rolling in the clubhouse. I've seen it before because right, right. players know that it's players that get it done. And so, which is always funny. You know, the rules for a funeral and a firing are all the same. You do not speak ill of the departed. <laughs> and so all the Padres saying, you know, that, that, that it's on them and, and, and all that. Well, Look, you'd expect nothing else. Do not put too much stock in the day after a firing, uh, you know, quotes that you get from players. However, that doesn't mean it's not true. Right. It doesn't mean right. that they, they don't they don't actually believe that at least partly. Some of them believe it wholly, um, but but they don't actually believe. You know, hey, <laughs> we didn't get the job done. You know, even if I didn't like this guy or or I didn't respect him or whatever, and I'm not saying that was the case. That. You know, it's it's players. Uh, we should probably move on to to what now. Well, let me just uh, say one thing. Let me just say one thing. I don't think I don't want this to come off as like we're absolving Andy Green of everything because I, I I think as I said, I'm sure he deserves some of the blame. I just think that the the amount of blame that he or any manager receives is way overdone, and that brings me to what you were about to say going forward. And you wrote a story today about. The idea that players, some veterans that you've talked to, have said, look, it's more important that we get better players in this clubhouse than we get than the manager that is brought in. Now, I also think mm -hmm. some of the players that are probably saying that are guys who need to play better. You know, but major league but, ready players. Right, Time to stop need, being a triple A club. Exactly. So go ahead and expand on that since you were the one who talked to guys and wrote the story. Well, I just thought it was it was telling and and, and, and I wish you know, sometimes print print is a great medium to be able to get out a lot of things, uh, to be able to go in depth. And sometimes though, I wish that I could truly explain and I, I tried to say, you know, that Eric Hosmer unprompted last week when I was talking to him in Milwaukee and I asked him about the expectation going forward and he went a different direction. And let me tell you that Eric Hosmer is a superstar caliber player in terms of very polished and and it's you know doesn't go uh, off script so to speak <laughs> right, uh, right. very often and on his own this is no great reporting by kevin ac on his own eric hosmer and you might not think this is profound but it is for eric is what i'm trying to say said that that the big difference is the guys who are going to be here are going to earn being here whoa right right what you just said was something we all knew but you eric hosmer just said you just pointed out that there's a bunch of guys here that haven't earned being here. Nothing against those guys. And by the way, I'm not even saying that that was the wrong way for the Padres to go. That's just the way the Padres went, and we all knew it, including Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, uh, Chris Stam, and Kirby Yates. It's just you know going through it, you, you finally get to a point where you say, enough is enough. You know, if we're going to do this, uh, like, you know – Got to get some players in here. And, right. and some of these guys who were given the shot to earn it that hadn't earned it, well, they've earned it. And some others haven't. And they, you know, shouldn't be here next year because if you're actually going to win, then you need to have better players. That's all there is to it. It's not like you got to understand. It's not like the Padres. Um, the Padres said, we're going to try to win and get to the playoffs this year with players who haven't earned it. No, 
just the route they went was, we're going to see who can do some things here, and especially in the second half. Right, because I think they got fooled, and I'm sure the players did as well, in the first half with the 45-45 and record. I think everybody (laughs) kind of got sucked into thinking, hey, maybe we can make something of this season. Look, even if they had gotten to 81 and 81s not getting you in the playoffs. I mean it's 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 going to be better than they're going to finish, but that this is still this was never ever better than a 500 team. I think well, yeah, especially dude, let's go back. The Padres didn't decide to put Fernando Tatis Jr. on the roster until I'll give them Three days before the season, <laughs> maybe four, four or five. Right. I wrote that story, and it was like, "Hey, this is something we're really considering. I think it's going to happen." Okay, um, and when they did, they were very clear and they were being honest. This may not go well at the start. So, yeah, there's Fernando no Tucci way. Junior was spectacular, right. and so they, you, you just that in itself, you know that they had no idea they were going to be forty-five and forty-five at the at the break. Exactly, and and then you know, look if they would have if they would have played sixteen and seven in the next twenty three after that instead of seven and sixteen, then it's a different story, and and then maybe they get some reinforcements at the deadline yep. or or whatever. But they they uh-huh. didn't. They had a terrible start to the second half, and for whatever reason, whatever reason that is, it it happened, and then things seemed to sort of fall apart after that from the standpoint of you know maybe a little bit in the clubhouse where guys knew, oh, great, now we're in for another losing run. And yep. then they started, you know, different guys came up, and then Tatis got hurt, and all sort of fell apart there. So, anyway, we should move on. I mean, we have moved on a little bit, but in sense of, of the next manager, can you see – I'll start with this. Can you see someone like a Bochi or a Madden or a Sosha or these guys who have had – have been around for a long, long time and have had – a lot of success and let's be honest a lot of failure as well i mean bruce bochy still has a losing record in the regular season as you might have heard me say before <laughs> as great as he is yeah. he still has that so as, as great as these guys have been and as many games as they've won and even championships that they've all won can you see a situation where any of those guys are either wanted by this front office the way they do things or would come and work for this front office knowing the way they do things? Well, I think the answer to that is uh, that both are yes, that, that those guys would be interested. They have not personally spoken to any of those guys. And the Padres are interested. As a matter of fact, the, the two criteria at the top of the list that have been explained to me is a manager who's uh, with presence, that's a word I'm quoting, and uh, who has been there and done that, meaning success in the big leagues. That's uh, one. And then obviously, uh, as it was alluded to, is it something of a failing between Andy Green and A.J. Preller? Uh, the willingness, they, the Padres need to uh, absolutely believe that uh, there's a willingness to collaborate with A.J. Preller. Uh, and then they will communicate to those guys, if you're talking about these old school guys, look, you're in charge of the team. You're you're running the games, uh, but there is a way that the you know we're going to do things. So the parties have been through this now once before. This ownership group uh, and AJ Preller, and I think that this interview process will be uh, refined and somewhat more extensive. That they understand where these guys are coming from. Uh, but absolutely, uh, Joe Madden. They will seek uh, an interview with him. They're Mike Sosha. There's at least interest in in, in Mike Sosha. Joe Girardi is not someone that I have heard. That is uh, is a possibility. Uh, 
Jay, you mentioned one others before I go on to other guys I well, heard on Bo- the list. Bo- 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 oh, Bo- oh, the same Bochi that all the fans or a lot of the fans wanted to run out of here in 2006. Everybody can't wait to have him back now. Now, I don't know if Bochi's even interested. In- well, it's silly that I forgot that one because that's the one that the Padres, they really are interested in, in Bruce Bochi and they want to understand um, because there has been talk among people that, you know, are fairly close to Bochi that he would take this job uh, and that he has said he would even um, and or would be interested, I should say. And by the way, his denial the other day was a classic denial, which is why those are useless. Uh, right. He's not thinking about it now um, that some people interpret as a denial. Now, OK, should the, should the Padres do as much as we've talked about how whatever managers mean to teams and what what we think they mean to teams and what they and what they actually mean to teams i had i had a friend who's who's in baseball text me the other day after this happened and said the padres should pay whatever it takes to get bruce bochi so bruce bochi right now i believe is making 6 million dollars uh in his last couple of years with the giants i'm sure he's not going to come here and work for that so should the Padres and and look, this isn't our money, so the e- easy answer is sh- yes. But should the Padres pay whatever it takes, eight million dollars a year, let's say, to get Bruce Bochy under contract for three or four years? Would that be, you know, because you got to think that the fans would say, "Great, we got Bruce Bochy. He won three World Series." You know, forgetting whatever else Bruce Bochy's done uh, when he didn't have good players. But is that something that you you could see? The Padres saying, all right, we got to go all out to get this guy. Okay, I like the way that you phrased it there, so I didn't have to explain to you, Jay, my sports editor, that I'm the beat writer, and I shouldn't be offering opinions on this, but I love the way that you phrased it there. Is this something that I think, based on the people that I've talked to, uh, that the Padres would be interested in doing, and I do believe they would. That's okay. not to say that $8 million is the price, but to say that, that to go above what you know, they were paying Andy Green about a million dollars a year. My understanding, these things aren't something that are easily found out. Um, so, by the way, Andy Green, soft landing, um, like these guys always do. Uh, you know, it doesn't make it any less painful. But anyway, uh, that Bruce Bochy would bring that presence. Let's face facts. And this goes back a little bit to what you were talking about earlier. And you were you, you made sure to say, you know, I just, you know, just simply talking about Eric Hosmer. But uh, as some guys in the clubhouse have noted, as people in the front office have noted, there are some highly paid players with certain personalities that need to be handled and perhaps the first time manager with the losing record uh who by the way is a man um <laughs> didn't need to have a boot in the butt and doesn't like to give them and, and thinks they're kind of silly uh-huh. um you know like a lot of people do uh wasn't maybe the guy to do that for whatever reason well you bring in a joe madden a joe girardi a uh, bruce bochi and those certain players have virtually no choice, especially with the front office's backing of that person, that manager. Those guys have no choice but to fall in the line. Uh, that's, you know, at least the theory that would be there. And so that's why you would say they want a guy with presence who has been there, done that. Okay, so if they want a guy with presence, I, I would include a guy, and I'm just going to pick a name, Moises Alou. Moises Alou, you would think, has presence. Um, mm-hmm. And relationships with players. Right. Now, uh, I don't know I, I don't, I don't know Rod Barajas at all. Same. He seems to have a little more presence than, than Andy Green, but I don't know how much presence Barajas has. But again, these are guys, and especially a guy like Moises Alou that hasn't managed at all. Barajas at least has done it at AAA, but Andy Green had been a minor league manager as well. Mark Loretta has been a bench coach. Um, 
I, I, I like Mark Loretta. Presence doesn't come to mind, but in a baseball setting, in a clubhouse, he might have presence. He, he certainly had success at the big league level. But these are all guys, let's say they all have presence. None of them have been there, done that. So does that mean that, the, that those guys are all, you know, look, we've put them on a list and said they're possible. But does that mean those guys you think might be at a disadvantage compared to some of the guys we mentioned who have managed Previously, and I think Ron Washington should be thrown in there as well mm-hmm. because of his connections. But Phil Nevin on the other side, yeah, uh, on the more Loretta uh, and certainly presence. Uh, been around dugouts a while, but and maybe he's done it a little bit more just because he's been a bench coach longer. Maybe yeah. Barajas and Nevin have a little more on the experience side than than Alou and Loretta. What, what do you think about those guys that are in sort of the the sure. separate category there? Your question of whether they're at a disadvantage. As we begin, or as they begin, or haven't even begun, so before the interview process, the vetting has started. Calls are being made. Heck, let's be honest here. Calls have been being made. They for were a while. being made, right. right. <laughs> that would be irresponsible if they hadn't. Um, that's just the way it is. At, yes, the answer is yes, that at this point, those guys would go into it with a disadvantage, with the goal being that you have a guy with experience. That can change. And the, here's how I think the Potters are going into it. They are going into it confident that they have an attractive job, but they also are going into it with the knowledge there will be six, seven other clubs, including some big market, big money uh, clubs who also uh, fancy themselves and probably have proven that uh, on field they're close to the playoffs, uh, you know, as the Padres believe they are. Uh, so there's going to be some competition for these guys too. Right. I mean, obviously the, the Cubs and the Giants would be two of the mm-hmm. big market uh, teams where you would think, I mean, we know the Giants are going to need a manager. We think the Cubs are. Um, the Phillies the Phil- I was just going to say the Phillies are another team that probably – maybe likely will so that's another big market team with a you know I don't think that's a bad roster at this point either I I don't know what the status of someone like Mickey Calloway is at this point I mean a couple months ago you know he he seemed to be lucky to have a job and and now he you know he made a run with the uh uh with the Mets um so I don't know the the status of that so I mean we could go down and list other teams but the bottom line is as you said there's going to be competition they're not doing this in a vacuum uh, uh-huh. where they're the only team looking for a manager. So, um, all right. Well, I mean, I think that's a good way to to get started uh, <laughs> with uh, with <laughs> that's this. All it is. Yeah, with this process, which is not going to be quick. Uh, or heard on the radio today. I believe Andy Green was hired on the 29th of October four years ago. So it's not like we would expect something to happen in the next week. I guess the only way you would. S- see that something would happen really quickly is if they reached out to Bochi, said, look, we want you to be our manager. We think you can, you know, they meet with him. They think that he can work with them. They offer him enough money and he says yes. Then maybe that's a case where they kind of say, okay, that's all we need. Uh, But barring that, I would think this would be a longer process. I think so, especially since a couple of the people that have been identified internally uh, are on, you know, are involved going to be involved in the playoffs and could make deep runs. Now you nailed it. Uh, if that's how they're thinking, and believe me, the impression that I've gotten is that Bochi is high on the list, like high. So you have it. I, given that the Ron Fowler's business background, um, the importance of this hire, 
I still have this thing, you know, like, gosh, I think they'd still go through some interviews. But no, if, if they've got their guy, then, then they'll have their guy, I guess. So, right. And I do know right. it's going to start quick. They're, they're going to be talking to people uh, when the season's done. And, by the, I mean, talking to them in person, um, uh, probably at various places around the country. Uh, I don't think they'll be talking to those people now, but guaranteed any team that has had any general manager, owner who has had in their mind for a month has been asking up around for a month. Right, right. So that's how I like, look, um, what was it? It was the end of July where I was talking about uh, and wrote something about Andy Green. Yes, this is, his job is in jeopardy, but I'm talking about in the last week. This is when you knew that it was like uh, data complete is that when you start to get uh, texts from people around the majors who have heard that questions are being asked and you go, well, we've reached this point. Right. I guess right. Andrew will be spending more time with his with his daughters. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we certainly wish uh, wish Andy well. And uh, the Padres have, uh, by the way, six more games to play starting uh, Tuesday night with Dave Roberts and the Dodgers. Uh, Rich Hill, I believe, is pitching uh, two innings for the Dodgers. I think it's Ronald Bolaños that's starting for the Padres. I, can't, I think Lamette's pitching Wednesday. I can't remember Thursday, although I do think Clayton Kershaw will be pitching here on Thursday in the home finale, which is a day game. So we will talk to everyone again on Friday. You will be in Phoenix for three more games in the desert, and we'll check with you on Friday morning. Yes. Here we go. I didn't even keep a scorebook yesterday, Jay. <laughs> uh, that's, you, you, just, you just reminded me. That's right. There will be games played this week. That's right. They're, I think they're even keeping score. Is the uh, case. And hopefully, for your sake, Kevin, they won't all take four hours uh, like yesterday's uh, came pretty close to doing. So, Anyway, hope everyone has a good week, and we'll uh, talk again on Friday. Thank you very much.